Praise God. Welcome back. As you can see, we had a little magic trick there. I look behind the curtain. No, I can't. My wife is joining me today. It's been a little while uh, since you since she's joined me. You did by yourself mm -hmm. about two months ago, uh, but this first time we've done a joint uh, in a while. So uh, we're back at it again. And again, if you're just joining us this morning, we're so glad to have you. And if you don't know anything about us, my name is Joel. This is my wife, Kate. We are uh, blessed and honored to be the leaders of a wonderful group of people we call Antioch West. And we're so glad that you've taken time to be here with us this morning. I want to challenge you, with you this morning with something the Lord put in my heart. And um, those of you that have been around a while know that over the last couple of years especially, one of the things that if you heard my wife and I talk, we have been extremely passionate about. And that is, uh, I'll, I'll say it kind of the way we always talk about it here in our house. We've been passionate about application over theory. And uh, how do we apply the word of God? Remember, the Bible talks about don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Jesus talked about two types of people, the wise man and the foolish man. And the only difference between the wise man and the foolish man, one built his house, it crumbled, one built his house, and it stood. What was the difference? The difference was one heard the word and didn't do anything about it. The other heard the word and did something, applied it in his life. And so we not only want to talk about the word of God, but we want to apply that in our life. And the beautiful thing, if you've been around a while now and you've watched my wife and I together, one of the things that I enjoy when we are able to minister and the Lord uh, leads us to minister together is, is that we are very different. Our, um, as you can tell, I'm very calm and laid back and I'm not hyper at all. And my wife is just, man, woo, she is excited all the time. She's fired up. She just, once you get her going, man, she just, she's just, no, I'm just joking. It's actually quite the opposite of that. However, we also have different um, strengths and weaknesses, obviously. It's a, we have, I believe we have a very balanced relationship, but the, the exciting thing is, is when we talk about certain things, um, for her, they're easy. For me, they're hard. But then we flip the script, and that's easy for me, and it's hard for her. And we've learned over the last couple of years, especially in, in this sort of passion we have of application, is that there's a beauty when we're able to minister together because so many of you are, are different than we are. So if I say to you, we need to do this. Some of you are like, yes. Others of you are like, oh my, I'm done. I'm also just quit. I'll never get it right. And I think the danger is sometimes, and I'm not beating anybody up, but sometimes preachers and pastors, whoever, want to lead people like they have to be led. Some people require God to be a foot up their butt. This is me. God has, don't look, she is just... Okay, you don't have to say amen, Kate. They read you. Sometimes amens are silent. But some people like me have to have God's foot up their butt. But other people like my wife have to have God's hand around their shoulder. There's sometimes God puts his arm around me. but there's And sometimes God kicks her in the rear and says, get going. But if I said to you today, God is ready to... Some of you would be like, oh, this is great. That's what I need. God, kick me, Lord, kick me. I need it. Others of you would leave defeated, feeling like there's no hope. So I've tried over the last couple of years. My wife has really helped me with this because we have a tendency to kind of share with what God's doing. We've helped me see that there's 
different ways that we all are, and that's okay. So I, I really want to say this before we get too deep. The way you're made is way, the way God made you. Don't let someone make you feel bad because you are different. For some of you, you need God to be a stern voice. You need that, thus saith the Lord. But others of you don't, want, don't need that. You need the, the, the gentle, calming, loving voice of an understanding Heavenly Father. Now, can, does God sometimes do both? Yes. But I want to be clear today because we're going to talk about a couple things, but we're going to look at both sides of the, of the coin today because if I just looked at one side, some of you would go, that's it, awesome. Oh, I got this. This is what I need. Others of you would be like, I'm, I'm turning it off. I'm, I'm so defeated. And we have to understand, that's why the Bible talks about us working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. What she has to do to be saved and what I have to do to be saved, there may be some similarities, but the application is very different in a lot of areas. Just in the last year, and I'm kind of rambling here for a second, but trying to make my point, just in the last two years of COVID, God has been working on me with trust. God has been working on my wife with faith. Trust requires a passiveness and letting God work. Faith requires an active activeness. So if I'm here today and I'm going to talk about faith, I'm like, yes, I got because faith active. Let's go do it. And she's like, oh, man, faith is a. But then flipping around, she's talking about trust, just trusting in God. I'm like, OK, God, I'll trust in you as I do it. <laughs> so we have to be careful. So we're going to talk about a couple things here today as the Lord leads. And I want to read a scripture for you if I can. We're going to use two different scriptures. We're going to use an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. And they're going to seem unrelated, but I believe there's a tie-in. We're going to go back to the book of Haggai, and we're going to look at the first chapter of the book of Haggai. And uh, I'm going to um, read for you just a few of these verses. Um, and I don't know if I've ever read from, I've ever uh, used Haggai as sort of an opening um, scripture in any teaching I've done. But the uh, first uh, chapter of the book of Haggai, verse number one says, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month and the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozak, the high priest, thus saith the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your... Is it a, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house, why this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much harvested little. You have, you have, you eat, but you're never enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of your hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew on it. Why, declares the Lord, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought in the land and the hills of the grain on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and what the ground brings forth 
on man and beast and all their labors. And it goes on to talk about obeying the Lord. And the thing that really jumps out at me in this verse is the fact that we can get caught up on what the results are and fix the results. And really, it's the heart of the issue. And for example, in this passage, we find that they uh, he kind of goes through the list there. And I'll go back and look at it here, make sure I get it right. But he talks about the fact that uh, you have much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never enough. You drink, you're never filled. You're clothed, but you're never warm. And so if I was in that situation today, I'd be trying to solve the problem. Well, if I'm clothed and I'm not warm, I just need better clothes. Well, if I eat and I'm not filled, I need better food. If I drink and I'm not satisfied, then I need better drink. If I'm harvesting, but I'm not bringing home very little, I just need bigger harvests. And so we get caught up on God. I need more of this. I need more of that. And we get caught up on the source of this is going to solve the problem. That wasn't the issue with the Israelites. The issue, and I'll say it this way, God had come, had called them to build his house. But they had gotten focused on their own houses. And the, the house of God laid in ruins. And in that situation, uh, we see several things. And we're going to do the other side here in a minute. So don't get caught up on this because there's two parts to this today. We see in this situation that, okay, number one, their priorities were wrong. You talked about this quite a bit. Kate, the, the, the foundation, the, if you could say one verse in scripture, that is your number one verse, is to love your Lord, all your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? The priority of God centered God first. They weren't that way. But as I began to see this this morning, this word came to me. And for someone like me, and that's why my wife's here, because we're going to talk about a second side of this in just a moment. And it fits from her, her perspective more. But for me... What's amazing about this and what word hit me this morning was the word delayed obedience. Because let's just say we had an interview this morning with the man on the street in Israel. And you said to that man on the street, hey, by the way, do you know God's house is in ruins? Yeah, we know that. Well, are you going to do something about it? Yeah, we're going to we're going to take care of it. Man, we're going to make it amazing. We're going to build beautiful walls and beautiful roofs and we're going to have landscaping. And we're, it's just going to be, I mean, you wait till we, have you seen the plans? I mean, it's amazing. I just, I'm, I got a few more things to take care of. And the thing about it is, it's called delayed obedience. For someone like me, I am a king of delayed obedience. Because if you ask me, am I being disobedient? I would tell you no, because I have the intent to obey. But the intent to obey is never in the moment. The intent to obey is coming down the road. Example, I'll start dieting. But no one is allowed to start a diet on any day but a Monday. You're like, I'm going to start dieting. Yes, I'm telling you what. I mean, was, we were laughing because uh, a, a dear friend of ours was was going to, um, over the holidays, they were like, you know, I need, I'm, I'm going to start my new diet. But between now and then, I have to eat everything that's in the house. <laughs> and so they went on like a week of eating everything they could get their heads on because it was coming. I don't know if they started their diet or not. I don't know. We never followed back up on it. But that's been me. If you ask me, Joel, are you obeying God? I'd be like, of course I'm obeying God. Because my intent is to begin to obey. But delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Because when God says for something to happen, he's not telling you 
You do it when you feel like it. You do it when it's convenient. If God says today you need to make a change, he doesn't say, hey, if you feel like it and you're up to it and everything is okay, I want you to, to address this today. But, but if it's if you can do it later, if God speaks something in your heart, you become accountable for that at that moment. Even if that is like, well, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I've got things in my life that are difficult. And I find, and, and, and my wife has been seeing it firsthand in me because she has been that, that uh, at times, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord for me. Because there have been times in my life that I have fallen into some bad places. And if you ask me, what are you doing wrong? And I'm like, well, I'm not really doing anything wrong because I have every intent to obey. Because I'm going to start obeying. I, I'm here's here's my plan. Here's the building. I know what the house is going to look like. I know what the the roof's going to look like. I, I know what the what the what the what the how big the room is. I know if it's going to be you know what material. I got it all. It's right here in my head. Or are you doing it? I know I I'm going to get to it. But I'm doing this stuff right now because I got to take care of this. Then I'll get to it. So for me, I'm kind of obeying. But to God, it's delayed obedience. Now I would imagine if I said that to you. I don't know if you've ever, maybe you've had it, but delayed obedience is not something that if God, you are like, let's do this now, right? Have you ever felt like there was a time where you delayed obedience? Maybe there was one or two, but that's not something that. No, it's not. I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm not perfect, please. Um, but nothing comes to my memory now. So if I'm saying delayed obedience today, some of you are going, man, I, I really have that. I need to, I, because some of you, God's looking, you, 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 things aren't working out in your life. You're struggling. You feel like, as it was listed, there's, there's, there's no fruit. You've, you feel like you have a, a cup with holes in it, right? I saw this image this morning in prayer. The Bible talks about the fact of um, our cup runneth over, right? We know that the, the, the Holy Ghost is like filling us, and when it begins to overflow, it, it, it's like a river of living water, right? We know there's an overflow. But have you ever had any success Filling up a cup with holes in it. Right? Dumb analogy. Like, duh. But yet we try to do that because in our life we come and we try to receive from God and God pours into us. But when it's done, we have nothing. We don't ever live in the overflow because we have nothing to show for it. Why? Because we're being put into a bag with holes. Why? Because there's some things in our life that are delayed obedience. Can I say this to you today? We're going to transition and we're probably, the Lord will bring it all back together again. But delayed obedience is disobedience. And there's some of you that if I ask you today, are you obeying? You'd say yes. Because to you, you have the intent. God, I, I, I want to give everything to you as soon as I get my life straight. God, I'm going I'm I'm to follow you every day of the week. But Lord, you know right now i got some stuff i got to take care of. God, I, I, I want to I pray and seek your face and know you and get communication. But you know right now, God, i got a lot of stuff at work and my kids are this and my family's this. I've got problems here and I'm trying. So when I get up, so to you, you have you are obeying because you have the intent to obey, but it's really delayed obedience. Am I making sense here? So I'm challenging someone today. I don't, I'm not challenging you. Hopefully I'm being challenged. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I can go through the scripture many, many times where we find the same idea of delayed obedience. And some of you are trying to solve the problem. You know what? Tell me today. 
uh, Joel and Kate, tell me today how to get more out of my harvest. Tell me today how I can find more, more, more warmer clothes or how can I get filled? I'm drinking, but I'm not full. Tell me the answer because I know it's a drink problem. It's a clothing problem. It's a food problem. It's a, it's a harvest problem. No, it's, it's a different problem. It's delayed obedience. It's delayed obedience. But here's the point. And this is what happens sometimes when we, we swing the pendulum. And I'm going to use this scripture here because here's, here's, the, here's the danger in this. And I'm going to use my wife because we talked about this. And I'm not saying this to, to point fingers. I'm saying this because this is the, the, you have to look at multiple sides of the coin. So if I said to you delayed obedience, my wife, for her, well, it's not a problem. Obedience. Got it down. I mean, literally, by the book, check every box. Obedience, I mean, literally, I am a nonconformist. My wife is a very, very precise conformist. And it's easy for me to live in nonconformity. It's very difficult for her to do that. If my house is not in order, she twitches. Like, because it starts to bother her that things are... For me, sometimes there's beauty in chaos. Don't... My office, when I had an office at one time, before we transitioned to other parts of ministry, I knew where everything was. But I knew it. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I've, I've tried to become a little more organized, a little more disciplined. I'm getting there. Certain days you catch me, I haven't gotten there yet. But the problem with it, when, when you say delayed obedience, some of you go, oh, pff, obedience? Next. I got that down. Let's talk about that side of the coin. Verse 15, chapter 15 of Matthew. Are you ready? We're going to talk about two sides of the same coin. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 1 says, Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For do they do not wash their hands when they eat? He answered them, and why do you break commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother will surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you should have gained from me is given to God. He need not to honor his father. So for the sake of your traditions, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now here we go. Here's the problem with this. And this is why we have to make sure that when we're talking about the word of God, we can't leave one, we can't elevate one and down another. Because again, it's the source that's the issue. The source of delayed disobedience is flesh, it's pride, it's will, it's whatever those things in us, we've got to die. But on the other side... You have someone that's obeying everything. They're worshiping. They've got everything together. They're following God and all that. And God goes, yeah, by the way, all those things you're doing, they don't mean anything. For me, that doesn't bother me. Because let's be honest, for someone like me, I can't get it right half the time anyways. So, like, seriously, y'all over here define, talking about who defiles with clean hands and dirty hands... I'm just hoping some days I can eat. But on this side, for someone like you, that's a challenging scripture, right? Mm -hmm. 
Because it's very easy for someone like you. And again, these are not Kate's good, Joel's bad, Joel's good. This, this is trying to show you two sides here because I believe God wants to challenge all of us today. But for someone like you, a scripture like that challenges you because obedience in some ways, and I, this is going to sound terrible, but obedience is easy. It is. Because obedience is your way of, let me say it this way, and you can help me articulate this better. Sometimes obedience is a way of building an assurance policy mm -hmm. for God. Explain that. So, like, for me, for my type, um, I've noticed that um, following rules, I mean, not even just in the church world, but just you know, rules in society and, you know, manners and just the way I'm brought up. It's, you know, do's and don'ts and you do this and you don't do this. You use your manners, you have respect. You, For somebody like me, that's easy for me. Um, someone tells me to do something, I'm very, sadly, and I know I'm going <laughs> to sound like a horrible person, I, like I've said many times online before, I'm performance driven. Hmm. The negative side to that is, is like the scripture said, I can do, I can give to the needy, I can go to church, I can read my Bible, I can pray. If if anything, the Lord has challenged me, and I'm not trying to, for those of you that are like me, please listen. For those of you that are not, plug your ears. <laughs> but for somebody like me praying an hour a day, psh, are you kidding? That's easy for me. Being in the presence of God, and I'm not talking about just... You know, just praying. Yes, you can pray. I'm not talking about that. But even being in the presence of God, fellowshipping with God. And yes, we need to do that. But for someone like me with my personality type, that's checking off a box. Oh God, I've, you know, I've spent time in your presence. And because what that goes to, what that leads to is self-righteousness. That leads to earning and deserving. Mm. So, well, God, I went to church. Well, God, I read my Bible. Well, God, I respect, I honor my father and mother. God, I, you know, I raise my children the way they're supposed to go. I'm the wife I need to be. I'm the daughter I need to be. You know, I'm, I run our finances the way that I should ethically. I want to be a good steward. I'm, I mean, I'm checking off boxes here and there. You know, I like this and I like that and I like all this. And God's like, um, yeah, but you don't earn and deserve from me because the minute something goes wrong in my life, yeah, that's my dad that. died, we had this happen, my car broke down, my son, you know, my loved one treats me this way or this happens or, well, God, I'm faithful. I mean, because what's the thing that's taught and preached so much and please, I'm not bashing anyone. Please, 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 please no. hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. We so elevate things to the point that what do you hear the common message if you're faithful, God's going to be faithful. If you give, God's going to give. If you bless, God's going to bless. Well, who defines blessing? Hmm. Okay, you pay your tithes, but that doesn't mean you're going to be rolling up in a Mercedes Benz. And unfortunately, you give. That doesn't mean God is obligated to give back to you. And what he does give back Maybe for your good, but to you, it's not good. So would you say, though, here's a question, because who could answer this Sorry. better? No, this is good, because... Nothing brings out, re, nothing reveals your motive like trials and tests and tribulation difficulty, right? Oh, yeah. And God is the master of revealing. He purposely allows it. So here's a good one. Let's use, let's use giving to the Lord. Because for a lot of us, nothing is tied closer to our will, our control, and our, our 
our self-worth and just it, the fabric like our finances. Some of you just don't give because you have the intent to give. You know, when I make more money, I'm going to give to God. When I get a better job, I'll give to God. That's delayed, delayed obedience. You don't get it. You're not God's like, okay, you know what? When you get around to it, it's fine. Some of you just don't flat out kid because you just, your will, you, it, it means more than you. And you circumnavigate giving because you give to, well, I give to certain causes. I give to this. Because ultimately what it really proves, and I'm saying this to somebody and you're probably going to get offended, but you need to go ask Jesus who's right. You do that because it's control. You really want control over where your money goes and who gets to spend it. So I'm not going to give it to the church. I'm not giving it to God. I'm not giving it to the church or the preacher because they're going to waste it. I'm going to give it to the causes I feel like are needed. So therefore, I'm really giving. No, really what you're doing is you're controlling it. And to give to God in any capacity, whether it's yourself, your money, your time, is to give God full control and give up control. You don't tell God how to spend it. You don't tell God how to use it. But go back to this. There's some of you, you give, you give unto God. And it doesn't matter how much you give. You're not seeing the reward of it, right? You talk about a Haggai. You give, but you feel like you have holes in your pocket. You give, but when you bring stuff home, God blows on it. And you get frustrated because you're like, God, I'm giving. But back to what you're saying. The purpose of the giving, it's not because you want to make sure that money is not the, not the king of your life. That God, I don't serve you and mammon. I serve you. The money belongs to you. I'm going to show you this every month by giving. You give because I know if I give to God, he's obligated to take care of me. And then the next thing you know, when a trial comes in or that bill comes in or that unforeseen loss of income or you get laid off, the first thing you do is, God, what's up with that? Motive check. Mm -hmm. Motive check, right? Yes. and But that's not to say that for those of people that are like me that if you're giving your motive, it's just saying that for those that have a tendency to be, and I know we're all different, so please, I'm not trying to shoehorn anyone in. I'm just sharing you with usually how I am, that I have to be careful that just because I don't respond the way he does, doesn't remove me. Because where in his areas of weakness, I'm strong, but at the same time, like he said, in my areas of weakness, he's strong. And so saying that, you always have to, when it comes with walking with God, you have to always check your motives. I mean, for somebody like me, I constantly, and I know, no one really knows their heart. They, but for me, I'm always like, okay, God, I, I feel led of you to do this, but however, I don't really know what's in my heart. I don't know what my motive truly is, so let it be, you know, pleasing to you. And if I'm, if I'm like, even giving, if I'm giving to something because... You know, I want people to know, or I'm giving, like, I'm not trying to, because I've done it before, so if I, I'm, I'm, I don't know of anyone in mind, because I've done it, so you can actually look on my social media and seen it, but people that give, I think it's kind of funny to me that people that do, we want to post all over social media, well, why can't we just do and not tell anybody, because that's a good motive check, is, okay, if I go to give and no one knows about it, would I do it anyway? Hmm. What is my motive for giving? What is my motive, okay, like going to prayer? There are times that, I mean, wow, one day I was in, and please, I, I, 
don't elevate me, okay? If Trust me, come stay with me in my house, and I, I'm very much human. So I use these situations not to make myself sound like I'm all that. Trust me, I'm so human, so human. But, like, I'll be in my in my home um, doing dishes, and the presence of God will come in so strongly. And it's not like that all the time, but there was one particular day I was really, really struggling. I had a really down day. And I don't know, there's just, walking with Jesus, I just really felt like to stop everything I was doing. And I put the dishes down and I dried my hands and I just sat down on the floor just briefly. Um, most times it's in a chair. You don't, you can do it standing, at it, just whatever. And so I just felt like the most sweet presence of God came and just ministered to me, just strengthened me. It literally was maybe for four minutes. And next thing I know, boom, there goes the door. And my kids and my dog, rah, rah, rah. and I'm like, really, God? Like, couldn't you have just let that lasted for just maybe <laughs> ten minutes or an hour? And I get frustrated. And I'm like, God. And He's like, it's okay. I gave you just what you needed. I know what you need. And so, for someone like me, I, I, I love God. I, I want to be in His presence all the time. The problem with that is, is sometimes with a tendency of mine is I kind of store that. Okay, well, you know, on the times that he seems to be struggling, you know, I don't realize in the back of my mind, well, he's not praying that much. And gosh, I'm always, I spent however many hours with you, God. And I, sadly, we do that. Mm. And I will say a high majority of people in the church do that. The amount of self-righteousness is staggering. And trust me, yes. it is disgusting to God. Mm. He's not pleased. Mm. I never did this. I never did Even if you did and then, oh, but once you come into the church, you know, God has forgiven you and it's all a race. And I've never done this and I'm not this and I'm this. It's amazing to me this horrible attitudes and spirits of people. Because you know what? That's something I have to watch. I have to watch. I may not... I may do all the do's and don't do the don'ts, as Bishop says. But, you know, when it comes to attitude and spirit and self-righteousness, I got to constantly, constantly check that. Making sure that I'm not looking down my nose at a brother or a sister. That I'm making sure I'm not counting my little check marks. Well, I don't have that issue. Well, I'm always doing that. And I'm sorry, it's full in the church and God is not pleased. I prayed this amount of hours. Well, how many Bible studies did you teach? Or what had you done? And we are just scramming on the people that are just trying to walk with him. Like, it was amazing to me. The Lord was so sweet how he did it. There was um, a dear sister in our church. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't probably pick her out of the crowd. She's, your, she's not one of your top echelons of the church. She's not a very high elite person leader in the church she she's just a dear sweet sister many people wouldn't even pay her any mind not at all and it's so funny you know we watch we look at her life and think she's a 10 percenter all she does is come to church if that but you don't know the life she lives at home Hmm. you don't know the horrible relationships that she deals with every day the three and four jobs she has to have in order to make ends meet when a lot of us who live in abundance and can run circles around her or are the high elitists of the church and we've got da-da-da-da. 
we give our little whatever, but her coming to church and being consistent, her walking a consistent, faithful life to God is getting all that she's got. Her, by our appearance, well, she's not a Bible study teacher. Well, she's not a, someone in the church. You know, she just comes and sits on the pews every single day. And that, blah, blah, blah. But I do this, and I've got this, and I'm this, and I've... And God's like, eh. She gives me everything she's got. And yeah, all that she's able to give is showing up on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or whatever. But you know what? You don't know the hell that that woman fights through every single day staying faithful, not bitter, not envious, not comparing ourselves among ourselves. It's just amazing to me. So where we elevate another, we push another down. When really we all have our struggles, we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses. And so that's why we need to just ultimately rely on Jesus and doesn't mean we just we're perfect because we're not because you know what's funny is for someone like me who's great at doing all the do's and don't doing the don'ts because that's easy for me I don't please don't put me on some high pedestal that's easy but where it's not is my attitude about it my self-righteousness of feeling like I earn and deserve it or not that God owes me but, you know, well, God, look, look, look what I'm doing, God. You know, I'm, I'm working really hard for you, God. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it all right. I'm, you know, I'm living according to your word. And, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm doing this and you see all that I'm doing. And, and then, and God's like, that's great. But why do you do it? Are you doing it because that's what you do? And because you know what's right. And, you know, you're morally, you know, you're going to be right. And, or do you do it because you love me? What is your motive? Do you give for me? Or do you, do you give for you? Do you show people love because of me? Or do you show people love because you want them to like you? Yeah. Are you friendly to those outside your door for me? Do you look at those people for me? Or do you do it because you want relationships in your life? Why do you do what you do? Sadly, you can do something one day. The motive be right, do the same thing the next day, and it be wrong. That's why I always say to my husband, it's a relationship. Because my husband can bring me flowers today, and oh, that's just so wonderful. And he brings me flowers the second day. Why'd you bring me flowers? Well, you 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 loved them so much. You know, I, I okay, but you did it, you, you did it yesterday, and so we keep repeating, and we kind of get in a habit. Well, God, you know, this is what you, you no. Everything we do has to be challenged and checked by him. And just because it looks, some look at a certain way and some don't, man, it's amazing how we put ourselves in God's seat of judgment all the time. Hmm. So true. And God's, he's not pleased. So true. He's not. But someone like me, you think, oh man, she's just, woo, she's just got it. Oh, Sister Kate, she, you know, dots all her I's and crosses all her T's. You don't know the junk that's in here. Well, you don't know the uh, the hidden attitudes, the hidden bad spirits, and I'm sorry, I hate to say it, and I'm part of it, but it's full in the church, man. Well, that's what Jesus referred to. If you keep reading Matthew 15, he goes into the thing to, to the part. He says, "You worship me with your hands, but your heart far from me." And then he goes into, "They were worried about what comes in that defiles them." And he says, "No, no, no, you're missing it. It's not what comes in you that defiles you. It's what comes out of a man that defiles them." And in a verse there, in verse number. Uh, 
19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So the Pharisees, they freaked out. How can you say you can eat with unwashed hands? That's terrible. But God's saying, it's irrelevant what you do with your hands. It's what's coming out of your heart. And you say, why are we talking about this? What's the point? What are you trying to make? Well, let's look at two things here as we come to an end. Number one, we're saying this because some of you are doing all this work, but you're not seeing the fruit of it. We're supposed to be walking with Jesus and this amazing life, but we are not living this amazing life. We're frustrated. We're just like walking with God. Is, so I have to endure. The Bible says he that endures to the end shall be saved. I'm going to endure. I hate I hate all this because it's brutal. Why? Because you're not doing it with the right motive. You're doing it unto yourself, not unto him. Because when you're doing it unto him, it doesn't matter what the outcome is because it's about him. So if you do it for five or you do it for 5,000, you do it for none or you do it for everyone. I'm being challenged by that all the time because to me, God, I'll do all this, but I do it. Show me the outcome. Why am I doing this? And he goes, well, would you be willing to do it if I didn't show you the outcome? Everybody would do it if I could show you the glory that's coming, right? But would you still do it if it was just for me? Would my wife say, would you still do it if nobody knew? God, I'm on here. You know, more people need to watch Antioch West. So let's do this. So more people watch. He goes, well, would you do this if nobody watched? I got to be honest with you. I don't like, oh, yes, let's do it. Like, but God, it's supposed to happen. And so he challenged me this, but we have to be careful. Now make sure we don't swing the pendulum the other way because some of you are going to be like, some of you that don't like rules and restrictions, you love this because you're like, yes, let's remove everything because we're going to have a blast. That's just as wrong. But the problem is we've got to get out of the mode of what you're doing is the problem. It's the source. What comes out of you is the issue. So whether you're doing all of it right or doing none of it right, that's not the thing God's working on. He's working on what the source is. Because for me, I don't do it right, but my attitude is terrible because I don't do it right. She may do everything right, but her attitude's terrible because she does everything right. So over here, I'm like, well, I've got to wash my hands. Over there, God's telling her not to wash her hands. But to us, it's because it's dressing. I may need to be someone who washes their hands every day. Because to me, that keeps something in check in me that needs to be in check. She may have to go months without washing her hands. For someone like me, God's going to make me look like I'm conforming. And I'm going to be like, God, wait a minute. I don't want to, I want to be that. I want to blaze new trails over there. God's saying, you know what? I'm going to make you look like you're wrong even when you're right. She's like breaking out in a cold sweat over there in the corner shivering. But God, everyone's going to think I'm wrong. You're right. They are going to think. And I'm purposely going to make them think you're wrong because I want you to know, are you following me? Or are you following their opinion? Again, what we're what are we trying to do? What we're trying to do, we're all trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to get to where we can be like Christ and follow Christ and live with live with uh, with with him flowing through us. We want to show the fruit of this. But to get there requires us to acknowledge what our what is the source of things in our life. For use a, a more modern term, what's our kryptonite? Because you're not fine. What is your blessing can also be your curse. 
What is your freedom can also be your bondage. So we're talking this today and I'm challenging someone today, challenging the, in the, the Lord today because some of you are just frustrated. You feel like either nothing's working or the things that are working are not anything close. And so it's like, you know, let's fix all these problems. And it's the source. And really the one of the best ways to illustrate this is the story of the prodigal son. Two different boys. But it really was the same problem. Neither one of them had a relationship with the father. The one boy was wild and uncontrolled and he wanted to go live his life and he kind of had a delayed obedience mentality. You know, when I go out and have my fun and do all this, I'll go back and work for my dad. You know, I'll go, I got to sow my wild oats here. I got to go out and party. And then when all that's done, I'll probably go back and you know work for my dad and do that thing. You know, I'll just be the businessman and buttoned up. And so let me go do my thing. And then he goes out there and the whole thing goes to, to pieces and he's finding himself at the end of the rope. And it's like, well, I, I mean, I, I don't even know if I can go home and see my dad anymore i've totally made a mess of it and then on the other side you got the brother that's like mr perfect he's doing everything right everything he's doing is absolutely pristine but in the end he gets mad because he said you wait a minute i did all this and i got nothing to what and then both of them if the if the prodigal would have known the father he would have never ended up in the pig pen and if the elder brother would have known the father, he would have never ended up on the outside of the house with the attitude, I've done all this for you. And you both had a relationship issue with the father. They acted out differently, but it was a relationship. Really? And all of this? It does really come back to relationship. Does. It really does. I know it's like, well, that's kind of simple. What other answer is there? Jesus said to the disciples, when he showed up on the shore, he said, follow me. That word follow me, it wasn't just this religious pious, pious idea. And I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Follow me. Come walk after me. Seek me. It literally, it, it really, honestly, the word there, follow me in the Greek really means come walk with me. Come, come, come learn and walk. Let's go on a journey together. Let's learn to walk together. He walked with Adam in the garden. He walked with Abraham. He walked with Enoch. Look how many times there was this idea of walking. It's walking with God. What we're talking about today is not how you appear on Sunday. This is more of a walking with Jesus every day. Because ultimately, I, I hate to say this, but I don't want to be standing there at the throne of judgment with some of you. I don't mean this to be critical. I mean this with, with soberness. Because when you tell God, Wait a minute, why are you judging me? I did all of these things on this day. I did all that. And he goes, yeah, but you didn't do it for me. You didn't walk with me. But, but, but. Someone like Kate's like, but God, I, I did all this and I never did this and I never did this and I never went there and I did this and I did this and I did this. Let me in. He's like, yeah, but no, it was never for me. It was for you. And I'm over here going, God, I messed it up so bad. I knew it was no point in me ever trying. So I just quit, to be honest with you. Because I knew it didn't matter. I had so blown it and so messed it up that I just kind of gave up ever trying again. So, you know, I figured, you know, whatever. Or, but by the grace of God, I'll just, you know, the Lord will just have to love me the way I am. Which is just code for I am, I, I quit. Same problem. Same problem. So today, really all of us, we all have relationship problems with him.
there may be layers of hurt and things that others have done that cause some relationship. But really, the relationship problem you have with God really has to come down to you. And what we're trying to help you understand today with this and the Holy Ghost I'm trying to help you is, is to identifying what are the obstacles in that relationship. For me, is it it's delayed obedience. It's the, or it's the opposite side. It's I've messed up so bad. What's the point of trying? I'll just I'll just have to live in this pig pen for the rest of my life. Or for someone like Kate was saying, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm putting all this stuff, and there's nothing more frustrating. I think I think I get frustrated, but I've seen there's nothing more frustrated for someone like you when you've done everything and you don't see it. It's like you're talking about the frustration meter. I feel hopeless. But I was I would venture to say you have you've talked about feeling hopeless, but to me, I feel like I'll never get it right. I'm hopeless. You feel like I've done all this and this is the result. Oh, somebody needs to pay. And is that a fair statement? I don't know if somebody needs to pay, but there's definitely a frustration and it eventually leads to hopelessness of just wanting to quit. And not because you're going to be perfect or anything, but it's like... No matter what I do, yeah, it's never going to be good enough. Yeah. And I think that's the cycle for me is just, okay, well, clearly there's something wrong with me. You know, others can do all this and it works for them. But for me, you know, I'm just flawed. You know, I'm just, I'm the child who, you know, never gets it right. You know, I'm just, and it just, it's a spiral, you know. Okay, God, I, I apparently there's still something I... I can't get your approval on. Clearly there's something in it. Sometimes it's either quit and give up or I got to work harder. I Okay, I just, I got to make this a little bit. And it's just, it's just a vicious cycle. And then the Lord has been working and I, I didn't realize it. And he's always working on me. Thank God. Um, But it's, you know. You're my child. I love you. You can't earn and deserve. You can't. It doesn't matter how good. And so for me, every day I have to say out loud to God, Lord, I do this because I love you. If it produces amazing blessings that I think to me, or it produces a lot more hurt and pain, but it gives glory to you because you glory in our infirmities. So God, I do it because I love you and I can't earn it and I can't deserve it. And I'll never be good enough. I'll never do it perfect enough. And that's okay that's because I am your child and you love me. Yeah. And you know what's best for me. And ultimately, I know you've got control because there is an element of doing it right and all that is control. For me, it's liking everything in a box because I like a box because it's control. I like things a certain way because I can control it. And having to let go of control, whoo. So for me, every day, God, I receive your grace to walk in your will. If it's the best day I've lived or I get nothing but problem after problem, test after test, trial after trial, I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I know you're just. I know you're kind. I know you're loving because it's amazing. This is why it would be, I mean, as a parent, he's so spoken to me so many times through my kids is, you know, everything I have is God's anyway. He gave it all to me. He can take it away in an instant. And so it's funny. I'll be talking to my child and they think they've got the worst life ever. And I'm laughing like, yeah. And there's been times of discussions of when they can 
leave my home and I kindly remind them, okay, but you're going to leave this and you're not going to have this and you're not going to, and then what's going to happen? And then they quickly realize, oh yeah, you, you pretty much everything I have is yours, mom and dad. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so that's kind of what we do to God is, you know, for someone like me, you know, earning and deserve it. And God's like, whoa, 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 you didn't earn any of this. Yes, you were faithful, but at the same time, I'm not obligated. Mm -hmm. And yes, my motive is, thank God, hopefully is not always wrong. So God does bless. But at the same time, last time I checked, blessings and whatever come on just and unjust alike. So, you know, who's in control? And so I can't every day, every day, God. And I have to make sure because for me, I got to make sure because I'm always, I got to work with that. Not trying to earn it, not trying to deserve it, not trying to show God how how good I can do it. Because mm. God's like, oh, really? You can do it? Let, let's see. And smash. And so for me, whereas you look on the outside, oh, Sister Kate gets it all right. And oh, that's my kryptonite because I don't. Mm. Because just as this one gives up and he's like, oh, well, you know, I'll never. So whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm going to work even harder. And they're both wrong. They're both wrong. And so I'm every day, okay, God, you love me. I'm your child. And I want to please you. And I know I can't earn it. And I know I can't deserve it. And no matter what comes my way, I know you're faithful. No matter how much I have to walk through, I know you're faithful. And I know you're working for my good. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to believe you no matter what. And I say this every day. And the stuff that comes my way every day, I'm like, okay, God. And when something bad comes, I'm like, you know what, God? I know you've got it. I trust you with it. I know you have this. And sometimes every day it gets a little harder and a little harder and a little harder. But last time I checked in his word, he gives us grace, the measure of grace to what we need for that day. Thank God. Because there's some days I don't need so much, but then there's days mm -hmm. I need every bit of grace that God has. Every day. And when I walk in his grace, I walk in his mercy, I walk with him in control of my life. Wow, there's some days that the worst things happen and it's like, woo, you just sail through it. You're just, okay, doesn't phase. Um, Kate, we just got a call, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Hmm. Kate, this just happened. Okay. Hmm. Mom, I don't know what to do. Okay. This is going wrong. Okay. This happens. Okay. And then not walking his grace, the littlest thing happens. Everything's breaking apart. And it, I'm telling you, it really works. Not trying to go on. No, really. What, but I think the last challenge I have for you today, we have for you today, is what is your kryptonite? I know it sounds silly, right? Like, what does Superman have to do with all of this? Superman came from the planet Krypton. It was the place that gave him his strength. But what was his greatest strength? also was the source of his greatest weakness. There's great strength in being like you. There's great strength in being like me. But if those strengths are not placed in his hands, those strengths also are our greatest weakness and our greatest downfall. So to say, this is my strength, look how good of a person I am, leads you to moments of kryptonite that actually destroy you. Looking at someone like me going, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm just so, I mean, everything, I just roll it. Yeah, but that's also on the other side as a kryptonite for me. So God will also, in life, he, his, your strengths can also become your weaknesses. And we have to be careful that because my strength's here, I don't beat you up. Because my strength's here and 
Really, it's looking at myself. God, you created me this way. You haven't changed me. So if you haven't changed me and I'm this way, I can sit here and get mad. Well, I wish I was like Kate. And she could say, well, I was like like Joel. Not a good idea. But I wish I was that way. Or I can go to God and she can go to God and say, God, here, you've made me this way. You created me. You said before I was in my, when I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. You know how many hair is on, hairs are on my head. You fashioned me like this. If you knew I was going to be like this, then you've also created a way for me to live and walk with you. My path is not your path. Your path is not my path. I believe we're heading to the same place in God. But today, what we're trying to get you to look at is, what are those obstacles in your life? What are those things? And what is a kryptonite in your life? What are those areas in your life that are keeping you from knowing the Father? From living in the fruit of the Father? For my wife, she's described it perfectly for her. For me, it's these things. And there's more. God knows. This is not an exhaustive list today. We don't have time, okay? Let's just put it that way. How long do you have? <laughs> we'll be here till next week talking about my list. Uh But really it's a challenge that in looking at some areas that you feel like is elevating you or devaluing you, if you understand what God is working on, you will find that the areas that you think are elevating you are really trying to humble you back to the Father. And the places that are devaluing you are trying to lead you to the source that the Father is the only hope you have. It really comes back to the simplicity of just knowing Jesus. And knowing him, he reveals to you yourself, which is, you can't, I want to say it this way, hopefully this is an accurate statement. You can't know God without him showing you yourself. And a lot of us don't ever fully know God because we don't really like to know ourselves. We'd rather leave that under wraps. We don't want to know that because it's nasty. It's yucky. It's ugly. It's, ugh. So our relationship with God is always stunted because to know God is to reveal us. You cannot walk into perfection of his presence without him revealing to you the things in your life. No flesh is going to glory in his presence. The farther you get in his presence, the more he reveals what's in you. So the best way to avoid that is don't go in his presence. Or to provide a mechanism, whether it's church services or religious activities, that can give us the sense of his presence without the sacrifice that goes along with living in his presence. And so today we're talking about trying to live and walk with Jesus every day. That he's just as real on Monday as he is on Sunday. How do you do that? You get into his presence, but getting into his presence requires him to reveal some stuff in you you may not want to see, hear, or smell. But it's about the journey. It's about that revealing. To her, God's revealing things about her. Oh, yeah. For me, God's revealing some stuff in me. They're not the same. She's not better than me, and I'm not better than her by a long stretch. We're the same flawed creatures called humans, flesh. You're not better than that person that's sitting next to you or that person in small group because you've never, you know, I've heard people say, I've never drank, never smoked, I mean, never smoked, never done drugs. Congratulations. 
At least there's three areas in your life you've never done. But what about the other 5,000 things you've done? God's up there going, okay, it's all right. You're perfect. You've never done those three things. I'm sorry. Because just to be honest with you, some of you drank and smoked before you were 12. Some of you were high on drugs when you were 13. You blew that one out of the water. So for me to go, I've never drank, never smoked, never done drugs. Look at me. You go, what's their point? And God's like, yeah, but what about the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the attitude, the running your own life, the judgment, judgment, judgmental, all those bad, bad, bad. And you're over there going, God, I started drinking when I was 12. I was, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes every day when I was 13. I was so high at 14. I didn't even know what was up or was down. So God, here I am. I'm flawed. And God goes, I'll take that. And God's over there looking at Joel and his perfect, never smoked, never drug, don't drugs, never drank. And God's going, yeah, you need to reevaluate. But for us, it's like, oh, let's lift that up because that guy, 12 years old, drinking, really, what's wrong with you? We don't like that. And religious people hate this. That's why Jesus hung out with the sinner more than he hung out with the dudes down at the temple. Because those people that were sitting with him, that were tax collectors and rejects, they're looking at him going, if you don't help me, I have no hope. While they're down there going, God, I thank you. Like he looked at that, that tax collector that was beating his chest. That Pharisee saw that tax collector who's beating his chest going, God, I am just, a, I am such a defiled man. Whatever you do, have mercy on me. And the Pharisee looked at him and goes, oh God, thank you that I'm not like others that are so despicable. And Jesus crushed that attitude. Really? She's getting to the point where it's God, no matter how good I do things, I need you every day because even my goodness is not worthy. I'm over here going, God, I can't get it right. I need you. We both need God. You need God. You need God. And it really comes down to a heart issue. You need to love the Lord God with all your heart. Starts with a heart. Then it gets to the soul. Then your mind. Then your strength. You can't give God your strength if you haven't given him your heart. You can't give God your mind if you haven't given him your heart. You can't give God trust with your soul, your eternal destiny, if you haven't first given him your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's what we're saying today. We're getting to the heart of the matter. And to get to the heart of the matter, sometimes you got to identify what's the kryptonite that's keeping you there. If I can clarify. Yeah, please finish. You said goodness. Just because it looks good sometimes doesn't mean it is good. That's so powerful. You said yeah. that. Yeah. Just because someone looks like they are good yeah. doesn't mean they're good. So you said that here, referencing here. I just want to clarify no, because yeah. I'm so thankful God has had a microscope on Kate yeah. Elizabeth Wright and has shown me so many areas <laughs> where it may look good sometimes on the outside, but wow, I have a long way to go when it comes to the yeah. inside, the heart, the motives, the spirit, the attitude, and beyond. And so I just wanted to clarify because you made it. You point over here with good. No, no, no. There's only good. There's only yeah. one. Oh. So please, I just, 
I had to take a minute yeah, and sorry. clarify good. that because there's no good here. Well, it goes so. back to whenever people say, my sweet uh -huh. granny is the sweetest person and the nicest person ever. You're right. Granny at 90 is great. What about granny at 18? What about granny at 21? She was out there living it up. Whoop, whoop. Come on now. You don't know the story. We don't know that. So, Father, we ask you today, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us. Lord, thank you for loving us enough that you don't leave us the way we are. And, and, and all of us, there may be different things in all of us today. There are different things in all of us today that you are trying to identify. So first, Lord, I ask that you would bring a spirit of humility and conviction to us today that we would look only at ourselves and identify the things in us. Whether they're different than our neighbor is irrelevant. It's what is keeping me from a deeper relationship with you. What is keeping me in my pig pen or what's keeping me in working for you but never seeing the fruit of that work like the elder brother? What are those things in me? Lord, I'm praying today that you would shine the light on all of our hearts. Those who are willing to let your light shine on us, that we would reveal what's in us. Because God, you're trying to draw us closer to you. But in order for us to get closer to you, we must decrease that you must increase. And so, Lord, when we do that, every motive has to be checked. Every thought has to be weighed. Everything in our hearts has to be examined. Because in every step we take, you are revealing more about us. Not to punish us, not to condemn us, but so that we can draw closer to you. Because, God, I believe that's all of our desire and motive, really. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. Not just in the way of a Sunday morning, but, God, we want to walk with you as deep on Tuesday as we do on Saturday, as deep on Saturday as we do on Sunday. Thank you for your revealing to us. Thank you for your mercy and grace in our life today. Thank you, Lord. And for those of us today that maybe we don't want to hear this now, I pray that the seed of this would be planted in our heart today, that you would continue to knock at the door until we open and you can come and be with us, dine with us, love, with, love us, reveal in us, but ultimately, Lord, save us. Thank you today, Lord, by your grace and your mercy. I speak that every word that was said today that was from you would find a lodging place in our heart. If there was anything said today that came from intellect or from our opinion, that it would be removed, that only, the, only your fruit would remain. We speak these things today in Jesus' name. Praise God. I pray in Jesus' name that something was said today challenged you. It may not have been what you wanted to hear, but hopefully today it challenged you. Because the goal that we have as individuals, we have together and we have for you, is that all of us would walk closer with Jesus. That today when I go to bed, I'm one step closer. Some days that might be a millimeter. Some days you can't even see it. You got to get a microscope out and go, yep, I see it. I'm closer. Everyone's like, you didn't move. Yeah, I got a microscope right over there. You just got to get real close to know I'm a little closer today than I was yesterday. But whatever that is, I'm just trying to walk closer to him. Some days it may look like a giant leap. Others, it may look like I'm standing still. But I'm just trying to follow him and get closer to him every day. But I want to give him my heart. I want it to be about a heart. And whatever that avenue is, he's going to challenge me to come to the heart of the matter. Thank you for watching today. I pray that you are blessed, challenged, and ultimately grown closer to Jesus. Until next time, we love you. God bless you. But don't just dismiss this. Let it be put in your heart, that seed. Water it. Let God speak to you in Jesus' name.